Welcome to episode 13 of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportster.com. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting all sorts of stuff from Goldberg and the Undertaker match at Super Showdown to Justin Bieber calling out Tom Cruise on social media. We've got Sasha Banks working on some WWE 2K20 stuff. AEW Fighter Fest is coming up right around the corner. We'll cover a little bit of Raw and SmackDown, including the revival Bray Wyatt, Aleister Black. And Dana White confirms that Lesnar is done with the UFC. We've got all that and more on episode 13 of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast, presented by thesportster.com. Wednesday morning, Brandon is on the other line. Brandon, how you doing? Doing great, doing great. What's up, Jim? Oh, not a whole lot. I uh, just got through Raw and SmackDown. I didn't get a chance to watch SmackDown last night, so I had a chance to watch it this morning. Um, interesting show. Nothing too crazy happening on SmackDown. I guess the biggest thing happening on Raw was the Revival won the tag titles, and I'm sure you and I are both fans of that. But um, we'll get there in a minute, but I think what we probably should do before we really get going... Uh, let's tell people where they can hear this. So we are the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportscenter.com. We're on what? We're on anchor.fm. And where else can we get us? Uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker. There, there's a lot of places. Really anywhere you can find your podcasts will be there. Yeah. And we're starting to put the uh, episodes up on YouTube now. So if you go to wrestling write-ups on YouTube. Yes, YouTube. And- Search Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast. You'll find them. So if you want to watch a little video while you listen to it, you can do that. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's going to be good. We have uh, a couple little uh, announcements to make next week that I can't even share with you yet, which really is a bummer. But I was told I had to keep it hush-hush. But I've got some big news dropping um, for this podcast. It's going to be huge. Let's okay. just put it that way. So as much as I would love to tell you, um, and I will tell you off the air. I cannot tell you on the air. It is that right, big, I of, it, <laughs> that big of a deal. So that's exciting. Uh, yeah, it's really it's gonna. All be... right, quick ten minute show so I can find out this news. Easy. Let's uh, that's right. let's, let's fly through this show. I didn't I didn't <laughs> want to tell you beforehand because I thought oh maybe he might let it slip. So uh, I'll tell you afterwards for sure. But okay. let's let's start on uh, something real big that we watched this weekend and everybody seems to be talking about uh, Super Showdown WWE. Typically the Saudi Arabia shows are not very eventful. Uh, this one was a little different in that the Goldberg Undertaker match seems to be the hot button topic of the week. Um, we were watching it not together, but at the same time and communicating while we watched it. Uh, you were okay with the match at first, and then, and I was not a fan. And then you watched it back. You said to me, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't think so." What did you think of that match? So first, I want to say that like before the match even took place, before the event took place on the you know last week's podcast, I said. These shows, the Saudi Arabia shows, are always, like, there's no consequence from it, right? There's no consequence that comes from it because it's just, it's a WrestleMania hyped show with pyrotechnics and the size and the matches and everything, but it's got the, you know, long-lasting effects of a house show, is the way I would describe it. And that's exactly what happened, except for this Goldberg vs. Undertaker match, which, if it would have ended about three or four minutes sooner, would have been great. It would have been, I want to say it would have been a masterpiece match. It would still be, like, a one-star match. 
But you're talking about, you know, a few spears. The huge entrances alone were great, right? Like, were you hyped up when you saw Goldberg and Undertaker come out and those big entrances? That alone yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, I, bet, I don't know if you remember, but, like, weeks ago when we first heard this match was going to happen, and I always said, this needs to be a short, really short match and focus on the entrances, focus on the idea that it's Goldberg versus the Undertaker. Don't do anything more than that. Yeah. Well, that's not what they did. No, so Goldberg, I mean, he, he's went to Spear Undertaker, and obviously the spot was for him to miss, but he didn't miss the post. His head went head first, and he obviously lost a lot of blood in the match. Uh, Undertaker legitimately tombstoned him. This is after the blood loss and everything. Tombst- I don't know if you saw pictures of it or not, but his head was very clearly on the mat with his neck skewed. Like, he very clearly got hit in a tombstone. Uh, Undertaker was visibly annoyed afterwards. The reports are that the two of them got in a huge shouting match backstage because, I mean, these two are both larger-than-life figures. They're both very big uh, big characters, you know, as human beings, I would say. Not that Undertaker is a very animated person, but I think within the industry and backstage, he's so well-respected and he's so known that he's allowed to come out of his shell a little bit and he's allowed to be vocal. And, I mean, as a locker room leader, he always has been. So for the two of them to, you know, clash like that backstage... I think the only people that have to be blamed here are creative because, look, look, it's it's not easy to tell Undertaker and Goldberg, hey, your match is three minutes. These are your spots. Just do it. And they can say, well, we're Undertaker and Goldberg. We're going to do whatever we want to do. But at the same time, there are writers and agents that are there to keep things in line and say, hey, this is what's best right now. You guys are both in your 50s. Neither of you are active competitors. And Goldberg, even in your prime, you couldn't put on a match longer than five minutes, Right. So there's no reason this match should have gone on as long as it did. Like I said, first view, maybe it was nostalgia. Maybe it was just me wanting to see it for uh, more than it was. But having watched it back again, uh, this match was horrible. Uh, like I said, the first if you would have done the first few spears, a chokeslam, maybe the first tombstone, no problem. You didn't need a jackhammer. You didn't need like the reverse tombstone, which ended up being a choke slam finish. Like I don't know, it just seemed very messy. You hated it from the get go. You told me that you were you were you legitimately, and this is just through text. You legitimately seemed mad. So why don't you tell me how you uh, you experienced this match? Well, uh, yeah, I I thought the whole time when the Undertaker versus Goldberg was announced that if everyone involved here was smart, this would be the shortest match, like Brock Lesnar Goldberg short. You know what I mean? Like, sure. That, Maybe a little that was longer, the way, but yeah. That was the way they should have approached it. You know what I mean? Like, give you that shock. Now, what I didn't know what was going to happen was who would win. I had no idea if Goldberg would let The Undertaker go over or if The Undertaker would let Goldberg go over. But I knew in both cases, The Undertaker, if you've any, if you watch any of his recent matches, I mean, it's not his fault. He's old. Like, he's, yes. he's run down. He's beat up. He's a part-timer. It's he's not going to have fantastic matches. It's just not going to happen. And I don't know. I mean, there are some people who are Goldberg fans who's like, oh, just remember when he did Black Pips and stuff in WC. He was never that good. Like he was. No, he's Goldberg. He's not. He was, post- Goldberg was all hype, but no, not that he, it's a bad thing. They they they, they built him. He properly. was a huge star. He was yeah. a massive star, and he did massive things for WW, WCW. So I'm not going to say he's not entertaining or fun to watch but even yes. if you go back to those old matches in wcw they were garbage too he just was not a good wrestler so it was not ever going to be a stripe with him right like yeah and guy, I mean, that's what everybody guy. most people know that right like yes. even goldberg probably knows that he was not a very good wrestler like that but it's not whatever it's like not you can character. make a star out of somebody who is not a fantastic wrestler it exists like hulk hogan 
was maybe a better wrestler than people gave him credit for, but he was never a fantastic wrestler. Like, but he was one of the biggest stars ever, right? So sure. you can make massive stars out of people who are not good wrestlers. But when you know that you have this in front of you, and you know that you've got Goldberg, who's best served to do a two to five minute match, and you've got the Undertaker, who has proven that he's getting older, it's harder to move around, and he has not put on a good match in a really long time. Why would you try to do anything more than what you know you have right in front of you? But yet, that's what WWE did. They just said, okay, well, you know, we can. I mean, the rumor that I heard was that this match was supposed to go 20 minutes. Like, please no. <laughs> who wrote that crap? Like, why would you do that? In any way, on any plane, if everybody's completely healthy and whatever, you have to know these guys are older. They're getting tired. It's 100 degrees in Saudi Arabia. Neither one is a very good wrestler at this point. They cannot have a good 20 minute match. It's just not possible. Nope. Right? So if you're going to. I would be more inclined to believe Kurt Angle could do that than these Oh, two. yeah. Yeah, and, and we he had was, that. And, I, and agreed, he was not good in the end. And he, yeah, we he also himself admitted it. Right? Yeah. These guys, they just, it's not their fault. They get older. The business passes them by. Fans expect a different style of match now than they ever used to. You yeah. can't, you can't just do rest holds for 15 minutes and call it a day. Like, this is not how WWE and wrestling works anymore. If you've watched the AEW pay per view, it absolutely is not how wrestling works anymore, right? So you can't, you can't expect that. So, I didn't know who's going to win, right? Goldberg could win with the spear and jackhammer. But even then, I was like, oh, I don't even know if these guys can do these moves to each other. You know what I mean? Like, every time The Undertaker does a tombstone now, I get nervous. No yeah. matter who he does it on, right? So now you've got a 250-pound guy in there that you have to do this on after you've wrestled for eight minutes? Oh, come on. Like, somebody this guy see, is dead weight at this point. Somebody didn't see this coming? Out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, even if he wasn't knocked out, that's still not going well, right? Like, there's no. just... It's it's an ugly situation. The WWE decided, well, we're getting paid big bucks. Let's do what we got to do. But if you like, you said to me, you made a little comment here just earlier that you, how do you tell Goldberg and the Undertaker not to do what they want to do? There's no possible way those two were like, yeah, let's do a 20 minute match. No, not 20. There's, there's <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> there's no way they probably wanted to do a 10 minute match. They would have both been very happy with 45 seconds to three minutes. Here's my spot. Here's my finisher. Kick out of it. Reverse it. Choke slam. Whatever. Whatever. We're done. Like it's about it being a first time ever. That's that's all that matters here. Yeah. Seeing Undertaker and Goldberg is cool. Look, we said Goldberg was never a good wrestler. That, we're not disrespecting him. We mean as, as as far as wrestling goes, he's not a guy that's ever going to wow you from it. That doesn't mean he wasn't a larger than life legend in wrestling. We're not disrespecting him. Undertaker obviously was great up until even you know five years ago. Um, it's hard. You get older, you're not as nimble as you are, and then when you work part-time, when you add that into it, or Goldberg, who doesn't work at all uh, in wrestling, it's not easy to do this job. It's not easy to do when you work it 365 days a year, let alone someone who's, you know, did it for 30 years and then hasn't done it for so many years. Well, and uh, you're traveling internationally to Saudi Arabia, where the show is starting at 9 p.m. Saudi time, and you're and wrestling like you said, after midnight. Awesome. And who knows what time it is at home? Like you're all your internal clock is all messed up. Like everything that could go wrong in that match and the way it was set up even before things did go wrong, it was wrong. Like it was yeah. just not a good situation to put those two guys in. And yes, I agree. Like I am a huge Goldberg fan. I am a huge Undertaker fan. I know what they both are. Old Undertaker's old and he's running down and he just can't really keep up anymore. And Goldberg is a star who was never a fantastic wrestler. Like yeah. That's just the deal. So when you have that, you need to work around what you have, right? I coach a baseball team, and they, bless their heart, I love every single one of these kids. They're not the most skilled kids in the world. You work with what you have, right? 
You win, you win, you lose, you lose. You do what you can with what you've got given to you. WWE had The Undertaker and Goldberg, two guys that they knew were not going to put on a wonderful match, yet they tried to pull one out of them anyway. And now that's what you get, right? And Goldberg, bless his heart, is a guy who tries so bloody hard and puts so much pressure on himself to be fantastic, that bugger knocked himself out. You know what I mean? Like, he worked so hard to pull off a move and make it look realistic that he knocked himself silly. And and here's the thing about it, too. Like... Goldberg and Undertaker are both such big stars, like you said, but no one wanted to see that great match. Like, would you, if I told you right now, they could have put on 20 minutes and it would have been half decent. Is that what you were even looking for? Like, were you even remotely looking for a, a match longer than three minutes from them? No. Even no. if they were active competitors? Like, even with, like, the DX versus, um, versus Brothers of Destruction thing, that obviously ended horribly because Triple H was hurt from it. I don't understand, obviously it's just for the Saudi crowds, but why do we have to keep appealing to them and, and putting on these matches that are better left? Look, you can't really tarnish a legacy as far as, you know, like, you, you can't say the first three Star Wars movies were ruined just because you hated the next three or the next two after that, right? You, you can't say that it, it retroactively ruined your experience, but you can still kind of put a damper on it and say, oh, yeah, I remember those later years. Like, yeah, Brett Favre was great, but oh, you remember the later years? Peyton Manning was incredible, but oof, you know. Those last few years, he really fell off a cliff. But, you, I mean, this match does nothing... The Both those matches, the Brothers Destruction match and this match, it does nothing to help either of their legacy. Especially when Goldberg went out on such a high with Brock Lesnar. Like, that match was good. I don't remember much. I don't remember any of it, if I'm being honest with you. But I do remember walking away from it thinking, hey, that wasn't half bad. And for Undertaker, the Roman Reigns send-off was so perfect... Uh, it made you want more, even though you were also kind of happy with where it left off. At least I was personally. So that's how you you want something to end. You want to be left wanting more. You don't want to be left thinking, "Wow, I wish they would have ended that two years ago." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't blame WWE for taking the money. Like if Saudi Arabia is sure. going to offer, the, the whole Saudi Arabia thing is a whole other story. But if you're going to be going there and you're going to be getting paid millions of dollars to put on an Undertaker Goldberg match because that's what they want or that's what you feel you need to give them, as I mean fine take the money call these guys out of retirement they both want the money they're both willing to do it but make a match that works you know like put a three minute match together with the highest spots you can do that isn't going to kill the other person and just call it a day and everybody would have been totally fine with that right now instead you've got and i agree you can't necessarily ruin a legacy i said that before and i wrote that on one of the articles i did but it's bloody close like these guys you can see why undertaker's so upset right he's already worried (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, he's probably already worried that this is not looking good for him. The more he does these matches and the more things don't look good, the more people think of The Undertaker as what they're watching now versus what they used to watch 10 years ago. And Goldberg knows the pressure of being Goldberg and not having wrestled the dozen times in 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, he, he understands. So no wonder they're mad. They took they got a lot of money. They came out and made it, but they looked awful in the process. And then you got guys like you know Chris Jericho, you got Ric Flair, you got Mark Henry, you got all these guys going on media, and I don't blame them for doing this because these are friends of theirs. But they're standing up for guys like The Undertaker and Goldberg, saying, "Hey, you guys are ragging on these two for a terrible match. It's not their fault. They should get some respect." And yeah, there is something to that too, right? Like, what are you going to do if WWE says, "Okay, go put a twenty-minute match on," and you know you probably can't do it? Well, well you're going to try. Right? I don't blame Undertaker or Goldberg for the match. I don't think it's either of their faults that this match happened. I don't think it's either their fault that the match happened the way it happened either. 
I think you have to put the blame on the agents or creative or whoever decided this was the way the match was going to go, right? Like, do you blame Undertaker and Goldberg at all? I only blame Goldberg in the sense that he put so much pressure on himself to be larger than life that he makes mistakes. You know what I mean? Like he knocked himself out and I blame guys who are so gassed and so tired and so weak at that point for trying to do things you can't do. Like the Undertaker never, never should have tried to tombstone him. Like that just shouldn't have happened, you know? And I'm, I'm amazed that he wasn't more badly hurt than he was. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, and for those reasons, you get upset because you're like, you guys don't need me to do this stuff. And this is not... It's scary. It is. It's dangerous, right? So it's not something that has to be done uh, to do that. So in that respect, I I do blame them a little bit. I give credit to Goldberg for trying to finish. I mean, the guy was goofy. If you saw the footage after the match, there's somebody with a camera on the outside. He just collapsed. The minute he got out the ring, he fell down. He was just like out. Yeah, he was gone. he did what he could, you know, he tried to keep going to give the fans an experience and he apologized on social media afterwards for letting everybody down. But, you know, he was trying so hard to put pressure on himself and make it look so good that he knocked himself silly into the post. You're just like, yeah. oh, you know, it's an accident, but at the same time, it probably wouldn't be if you weren't trying so bloody hard, right? So it's, um, yeah, I don't blame them, but it's also partially on them for being avoidable. But yes, you're right. Creative is the reason. It was just stupid. There was just no reason, even if you don't make that the main event. You know what I mean? Like, put it mm-hmm. third last or something. So there is no pressure to have that be a long match or finish the card that Like, I don't know. It just wasn't good. And then you've got guys like Matt Riddle, who I like Matt Riddle a lot as a wrestler, but I'm not sure that I like him much as a human. He, <laughs> he, goes, he goes out on social media, and he is ragging on Goldberg all the way up to Saudi Arabia. And then, of course, he watches the match. And while Goldberg's hurt and knocked out silly, he's making fun of him. You know, yeah. like you're the worst wrestler in the world. Um, whether he's right or not, I don't know, but it's really not a nice thing to say. So yeah, we we don't know their history, but like at the same time, don't why, why do you got to make yourself look like that? Because you know people don't know your history as well as you know it. You're not going to come out looking good in this situation. So why are you even doing it? Right? Like it's just kind of weird. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, and I know Goldberg hates it. You know, he feels bad. I'm sure. I mean, he says for you know. For those of you I let down, I apologize. And for those of you that are getting, well, I don't know the words he used, but, you know, getting a kick out of the fact that I screwed up. Well, thanks a lot for that. You know what I mean? Like, he just, it's disappointing for everybody, and he knows it. And I don't know. If, do you think WWE will learn a lesson from this? You know, no. or will they They always go the paycheck, and the next Legends match we'll have is Sting versus The Undertaker, or who knows what they'll do, right? Like, this, is that yeah. just going to continue, and they learned absolutely nothing from this? Yes, 100% continues. It's unfortunate. Like, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but <laughs> I don't have the faith to uh, to say that it won't just happen again. Well, here here's a here's a match that they might do at a Saudi Arabia one time, and I don't think there's actually any chance that this is going to happen, but social media the other day, Justin Bieber came out and called out Tom Cruise on social media. One, I don't think Tom Cruise is stupid enough to ever accept that fight. Uh, two, I don't think UFC would ever approve or MMA would ever approve a 56-year-old man who has no fighting experience getting a license to fight. Um, this screams the WWE dream scenario to me. Yeah, like If Tom Cruise were to ever be like, sure, let's do it, they could never... Conor McGregor wants to promote the fight, but it's not going to be an MMA. It, be, it might be a WWE thing. I could see that happening in Saudi Arabia. I say that you know sarcastically because it probably will never happen. But there's two guys that would 
hurt each other badly if that were to ever get into a yeah. WWE <laughs> ring. What do you I, think I when really... you saw that? <laughs> I, I like, don't oh even God. know what to make of it. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, oh, Justin Bieber's trending in the news. Okay. <laughs> uh, Can you Tom... just see it? Vince McMahon sitting at his desk salivating, just going, how do I get a hold of Bieber's? What's his yeah. name? Justin Jay Biebs? What's his? You know, he's probably just going, you know, oh my God, how do we get a hold of this guy? Like, he's just salivating at the idea, right? It's, yeah. that's his solution probably to all of WWE's problems is let's get two guys that have never wrestled a lick before in their life and have over 100 million followers and see if we can't make some money off this thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have my money on Tom Cruise and a fight between the two of them. Oh, he'd kill him. Tom Cruise is actually legitimately crazy. <laughs> well, he's yeah, he's, in a great way. he's crazy, and he's got an amateur wrestling background. So, go. so he's uh, and he's got old man strength. <laughs> old man strength, which built in That's at a certain right. age, and it's, it's it's just there. Oh, <laughs> Superman yeah. only got only got stronger with age. <laughs> well, what's Bieber done? Like some celebrity boxing type stupid stuff? If he's ever even done that, or he gets in a fight at a party with a hundred people that he's got as his entourage? I mean, the guy, <laughs> he's just looking to stir up some trouble. Yeah, you know those classic Canadian fighters. How many yeah. of them are? How many of them are like world famous other than George St. Pierre? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, speaking of George St. Pierre, did you hear that WWE reached out to him? It's almost but... like this is the segue. Yeah, <laughs> Again, yeah. No, they reached out. I mean, they want him, and he's interested as far as you know big events are concerned. But he does not want to do a consistent like a Ronda Rousey type schedule. Even the Brock Lesnar schedule might be too much for him. I think he wants to do like kind of like a one off big event. Um, the guy is. I, he's it's weird because UFC wasn't even huge when he was like really big, you know, like Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, even like at the end, UFC took off and was huge. George St. Pierre's prime wasn't spent with the sport, like he kind of helped build the sport up, but they weren't the huge global phenomenon they are before he uh, or during his uh, prime there. So it's amazing to me that he's still so well known amongst like the regular like just fan base of people who are like mainstream people who don't even follow UFC. George St. Pierre is not a small name. So for WWE to want to get him, I, I totally understand that guy is great in the ring or at least uh, as far as, you know, wrestling on the, in the octagon goes, he's always proven to be more than capable. So he could yeah. definitely do a few spots. And WWE is not, you know, not against doing stuff like this. They brought in Ronda Rousey, uh, they've talked to them. We're going to be writing an article later this afternoon. They talked to Chael Sonnen, apparently, back in 2012. And he says they offered him as much as $5 million bucks yeah. to jump to WWE from UFC when he was under contract at the time. Um, and that's just, interesting they, because at the time, he and CM Punk were friends, right? So yeah. That means he would have been going to his friend's com uh, company. Yeah. Well, they like the crossover stuff, right? Like, so to think that George St. Pierre might be a target for WWE does not shock me at all, right? And they no. want their they want the ratings boost. Like, if they can bring a guy in, you know, whether it's Daniel Cormier or it's Brock Lesnar, not going back to UFC, which we'll talk about in a minute here, um, they love the idea that these well-established stars that have a built-in audience would come to WWE, and they're the big get, right? And back then, you know, Chael Sonnen was a much bigger deal than he is now. And he yeah. had a personality to boot, right? Like that guy was a, a talker, a sarcastic son of a bitch, right? He just he was he was a star in UFC kind of before McGregor was a thing, right? Yeah, I would say he was a precursor to McGregor. Yeah, and that's probably where a guy like Conor McGregor realized that you can become a massive star in UFC if you do this, right? So yeah, it doesn't shock me at all. 
Um, let's move on a little bit. Sasha Banks is in the news this week. She is apparently back working with WWE. Now, she's not on television, and she's not at live shows, and she's not wrestling matches, but she's in Orlando, and I think also New York or something. She was doing some work with WWE for their 2K20 game. It's not what we want, but it's something. Right? I mean, like it, I, I don't know how much of this is her speaking with WWE and how much of it is her speaking with just like 2K, yeah. but uh, the, the company that creates the video game. But it's still a step forward at the very least, right? Like it's some communication, some like sim or some kind of like, you know, uh, idea that she's still with the company. She's still working and still doing some kind of contractual obligation. Yeah. And, and I can't imagine that if there was, I mean, she met back with WWE and Vince McMahon, I think specifically on like May 23rd. And they said things were better. They weren't ideal and obviously not at a point where she's coming back yet. Uh, but if she's doing any work for them, 2K related or video game related, there must be some glimpse of a future there, right? Like, why would you have sure. her featured in a video game or working on a video game if there was no intention to use her again or let her leave or put her in the game or any of that kind of stuff? So um, That's a good point. The long term, why would you have her in a video game for next year if she's going to be out of the company by that point? Right. So unless she's doing some background footage type stuff where she's just you know helping them compute their moves like the Hardys used to do or Young Bucks used to do, like just to get them into their move sets and she's the wrestler working on the females. Like who knows what they're doing. There's so much that goes into those games. But um, yeah, that she's doing anything and not just sitting at home making cryptic social media tweets. Um, I still don't understand what they're all about. Uh, sometimes I, I watch them and I see like she wrote, she did one recently on NXT where she's sitting in the ring and she said something to the effect of uh, there was everywhere to go or something like that while she was sitting in an empty NXT ring. So I have no idea what half these social media uh, tweets mean, but maybe that's her intention, right? Keep her, uh, keep her on the top of your mind. Don't really know what she's doing. She's not ready to come back. WWE isn't ready to have a plan for her. I really don't know. Um, we talked last week about, AEW stuff, and we're let's segue into everything. Sasha Banks was and is maybe the female performer that people want to see from WWE show up in AEW. AEW released some news this week that they are going to put their next pay per view, Fighter Fest, on Bleacher Report Live for free, which is awesome. You awesome. know, yeah, if you watch Double or Nothing, and I know you did, and I watched it on Bleacher Report Live, that's where I watched it from. Um, mm -hmm. This is huge, like, this is a real big and it smart you know like if you want people to see your product because everybody loved double or nothing from whom i've talked to and the pay-per-view itself was very good the one criticism of it was it was 50 bucks yeah for the first time deal it's, it's a lot of money uh without people knowing how it's going to go but i mean 50 dollars for the show that's put on is a bargain in the sense of like wrestling like WWE used to put on 70 dollars shows but still 50 dollars isn't easily accessible for everyone right that's fair right. to say well, and now that we know that they're not going to be a company that does a pay-per-view every six months, it looks like it's coming out a month, maybe two months at most, because they've got, you know, they did All In, and then they did Double or Nothing, and they're doing Fighter Fest, and they're doing All Out. I mean, and they're coming. Boom, 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 boom. So if you're going to ask somebody to spend 50 bucks every month on a pay-per-view, or every month and a half or so, whatever it works out to be. As opposed to paying $10 or $11, whatever, for WWE You network. better make sure that you've got a nice, substantial crowd ready to pay that kind of money. And the yeah. only way that they're going to do that is if they know your product better. And the only way to get them to know your product better is to let them see the product. And can you convince a bunch of brand new people to spend 50 bucks on a product they don't know to try a product to see if they like it enough to keep spending 50 bucks? Yes. So let them watch it for free. 
get them hooked and then go, this is fantastic. Like, how do we not buy this next time? Um, so it's smart. And I'm sure they're getting some sort of kickback from Bleacher Report Live because it's probably very good for them to have this many people subscribing to Bleacher Report Live because you need to, to get the pay-per-view. Sure. So there's probably a good kickback there. So in AEW's, you know, whatever, it's good promotion and it's probably they're getting paid anyway, right? But uh, yeah, no, it'll be good. And the card's pretty good. You know, they've got Moxley versus Joy Janelle. That's a match I want to see. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's probably not the main event, but it's going to be probably the most anticipated match on the show because Janelle is nuts. And Moxley's yeah. all over the news. I mean, he won the IWGP United States title. He's going in the G1 Summit Tournament. I mean, he, this guy's all over the place. So he's going to be the huge draw for that. You you were laughing before we got in the air here about Jericho, hey? So Chris Jericho is the perfect professional wrestler slash entertainer because he, he wasn't advertised to be on the show. So the matches as it stands right now are uh, Simba versus Chris Daniels. Uh, Adam Page versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy versus MJF. Moxley versus Janelle, like you said. Omega and the Young Bucks against the Lucha Bros and a mystery partner. Cody versus Darby Allin. And then there's one other match I can't remember. Is it Michael uh, Nakazawa against Alex Bailey? Is that the last one? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Okay. I, I think that's the last one. So, I mean, to be fair, Jericho could be the mystery partner still. But Jericho basically, I mean, I'll, I'll actually read it verbatim. Jericho tweeted out, in protest of Kenny Omega, he added all of them, so he made sure he, he they know that he's tweeting it, which means that he's also giving them the push. But So, in protest of uh, at Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson, it's a fool's decision to give Fighter Fest livestream away to AEW wrestling fans for free, I'm pulling out of the event. I refuse to be associated with su- uh, such shameless pandering. So, in this tweet, not only does he get over the event and advertise the event for people that may not have known it was happening... He also gets over these four wrestlers who now people are going to say, hey, who are these guys? If they don't know, they're going to click on their profiles um, because, you know, as big as Kenny Omega is and as the, you know he's the best in the world, his fan base is is a fraction of what some of even the smaller guys in WWE is just because of you know exposure globally. So he gets over the event. He gets over these superstars. He gets over his character and he was never even advertised for the show uh, to begin with. Yeah. So and now if he does show up, it's even better. Because it's just him, you know, Jericho being Jericho. So everything about this was fantastic to me. Uh, it, it was such a small little thing. It's one tweet, but it's it shows that Jericho just has his finger on the on the pulse of what you need to do to get over this industry, and it's ever changing, and he's always ready to uh, adapt and adjust and make sure that everything he does is gold. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he was never going to be on the pay per view to begin with. He did an interview after Double or Nothing and said, "I'm only really going to be doing the biggest shows." In the main events, that's what I am. You know, I'm the and he he works this beef, even though it isn't a beef, with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Cody and how he's not part of their inner circle, even though he is. Um, <laughs> he pretends to not be, and that they do all these announcements and stuff. Like he's the same guy who, when he was a heel in WWE, could have made millions on merch, refused to let WWE sell them because, yeah, because he's, he's heel, so smart and he does not believe a heel should have merchandise. Yep, because I'm not the person you should be cheering. Right. You so shouldn't he, be supporting me even if you're making me money. Thousands and thousands of dollars in revenue because he wants to stick to that character. So it doesn't surprise me at all that while he's friends with these guys and he's helping out at EW and he believes that he can be a contributor, that he's playing that role the whole time all the way through. He, he will never be seen with those guys at a pay-per-view. He will never be chummy-chummy with them other than like the podcast he did with Moxley 
that he aired, you know, he recorded it two days before and then aired it two days after, right after Moxie kicked his ass, you know, in the middle of the ring, right? Like, you'll see that every once in a while. But then he introduces the fact that, you know, even at the beginning of that podcast, he said, well, I recorded this before Moxley did what he did to me. I'm not really so I'm kind of mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm mad at him. But I'm also a reporter and a journalist, and I, I need to, you know, that my fans expect me to be professional when it comes to this. So I'm going to put those things aside for the next two hours, and I'm going to – like, he still plays it up, right? Like, he absolutely lives that character um, all the way through. So he's really entertaining. He's so good for AEW. I, I don't love – Jericho, I never have, but I I totally respect him. Like, I absolutely respect him for the stuff that he does because he gets it. Like, he absolutely understands what needs to be done. He's probably the perfect person for AEW. Like, if you could take anybody to help you build something, he's that guy you want because he gets it, right? Well, the thing about Jericho, I mean, I said last week, he's maybe my favorite celebrity on the planet. And like I said, meeting him, still great. Uh, I think he is the quintessential pro wrestler. I think he may be the best ever. I mean, I know that's a kind of a hot take, but it also isn't as hot. It, it, the fact that it's even debatable means it's really not that hot of a take, but I don't know. Uh, Jericho has been there. He's been on the, you know, in Japan and Mexico and uh, in Germany. He, he's done all these different promotions before he got there. He did ECW, WCW, WWE. So he has the experience of working in multiple styles and in multiple promotions, and he knows what it's all like. And the fact that he, I mean, basically his gripe with WWE at the end was he wanted to have either Undertaker or Brock Lesnar style uh, status. Like, I don't want to show up every single week at every single house show. And and I understand that because the guy is a legend, right? The guy's a surefire Hall of Famer. I mean, now it's kind of rough with this AEW stuff. But he is one of the best in history. And uh, because of that, he deserves to have the uh, the right to not show up at every single show. And for AEW, this is just gold because it's the perfect marriage, like you said. For Jericho, he doesn't have to show up everywhere. He doesn't have to show up at you know all these house shows and work 300 days a year or even 200 days a year, let's say. And for AEW, they get to say, hey, Jericho's appearing you know, once every two months or once every – you know, he's not showing up every single week. So they're not going to overuse talent and make them stale. It becomes a spectacle every time you see them. And I think that's, uh, that's something WWE doesn't do very well. Despite the fact that they have so many people that aren't being used – they consistently overuse the same people, and and because of this, you uh, you lose the the appeal. Like Shinsuke Nakamura isn't someone you want to see every single week, but when you see him, you want to say, "Oh my god, this engine is fantastic," right? So like Roman Reigns, we talked about it before. Roman Reigns wanted an off season. I don't think you need an off season. I think you just need to give certain people off segments. So if Roman Reigns isn't booked for a segment in a month, that's fine. He can have the segment. You know, let's say it's a three month stint. Well, Roman Reigns isn't really used because, you know, you're giving him a little time to recover from any injuries he might have or just rest his body up. That's fine. He gets the next three months. Uh, you know, you have so many superstars that you can build. And, and there's so many people that in, in WWE you can look at and say, well, this guy's not a star. They can never push him. But you have no idea because they're only they're being shown to you as people that aren't stars. But they absolutely could be. Really, anybody in the wrestling industry can be booked, like you said with Goldberg, um, it doesn't matter if you have the look, it doesn't matter if you have the ability, it doesn't matter if you have the mic skills, nothing matters. You can be booked as a superstar and be believable, right? And you can be the best wrestler in the world and be just some mid-card nothing. We've seen both examples work. So it, it's weird to me that WWE doesn't use things, um, or uh, use, use their resources to, uh, to the best of their ability. But for Jericho now, like we said, this is just perfect, where he gets to use his talent he helps build this promotion up, who, quite frankly, 
doesn't need Jericho, but really will benefit from Jericho. And for him, it's just fun. This is a whole new creative venture for him where he's saying, hey, there's more to wrestling than what I have done for the last 20 years in WWE. Yeah, well, they I think they need Jericho. I think they need Moxley. I think they need a couple guys that people recognize. You know, like you can't... Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are talented beyond all belief. But no one knows that. You know what I mean? Like sure. They know Cody Rhodes because he was Cody and Stardust and things like that. But you are a very small percentage of people who are wrestling fans, and I speak generally when I say you, that knows the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega very well because you have to have watched anything outside of WWE to even have heard of them. And a lot of wrestling fans are not those people. So if you all of a sudden can bring in Chris Jericho or you can bring in Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley or you can bring in Goldust slash Dustin or even to the a lesser degree, and he wrote today, Ty Dillinger signed officially with AEW, the perfect 10. People know these guys a little bit. They need to be there. You know, if they aren't there, what's the draw for the typical traditional wrestling fan? It's not yeah, Kenny Omega. Getting the eyes on the on the product, I agree in that sense. But I feel right. like it didn't have to be Jericho, so to speak. But it just yeah. seems perfect that it is Jericho. Sure. Yes, absolutely. But you do need some recognizable names because you cannot yes. build a company. Like JR, Justin Roberts. Yeah, out, of, out yeah. of your agreement with, with Japanese wrestling or the Lucha Bros or Super Smash Brothers, who I wrote an article about now is called The Dark Order, that no one really knows who they are, right? If you know wrestling like the back of your hand, you know that they're Super Smash Brothers when they have to change their name because they can't use that name anymore, are now the Dark Order. They could be interesting. But you saw that, and you were a traditional wrestling fan tuning into Double or Nothing for the first time. You're like, who the hell are these guys? Mm -hmm. Right? It was probably 1% of the people watching that knew who those guys were. Right? Yeah. So you can't build a company on that. You have to have recognizable names. So Jericho, you're right, is a really good example of that. And it doesn't shock me that there were other rumors of other people, you know, attached to AEW when it first kicked off. How much... Who knows? If CM Punk shows up, there's another really good example of a guy who everyone knows. And maybe that isn't what AEW should be doing in terms of growing their own talent, but it's absolutely what they should be doing in terms of getting people and eyeballs on their product. And Chris Jericho fits into that mold for sure. Let, let me uh, ask you a question real quick. Yeah, uh, sure. how, how many followers do you think Kenny Omega has on Twitter? Oh, well, let's take a look. The average WWE guy's probably got a million. I would say Kenny Omega's probably a quarter of that. 250,000-ish. Okay, so he has 384,000. I have no... 384,000, okay. Kurt Hawkins, how many does he have? Over a million, I'm sure. 387,000. Oh, really? I, I would have assumed it was more because of WWE and now his action figure podcast. But So that surprised right. me a little bit that it's less than that. Ryder's got a lot, though, doesn't he? 2.2 2 million, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But some, the bigger names uh, will have them, but, like, the smaller names don't really get the um, the, the the followers. So the fact that... <clears throat> sorry, the fact that... Uh, as I, I lose my voice talking about it. The fact that Kenny Omega is has less followers than Kurt Hawkins really tells you that it doesn't really matter if you're the best in the world if you're not known. A guy like Apollo Crews has 194,000 followers. Um so he's an example of someone smaller than Kenny Omega, despite being WWE. But for the most part, like you said, everyone in WWE is going to have more followers than Kenny Omega, despite him being probably the best wrestler on the planet. Well, here's a question I wish I knew the answer to. Uh, what do you think a guy like AJ Styles had prior to joining WWE? And then how much did that skyrocket after the minute he showed up at the Royal Rumble? I can probably find that out. You know what I mean? But you yeah. get where I'm going, right? Like, 
he was absolutely a huge star in Japan. He was a big impact TNA guy. He had been around for 20 years. 20 years. He's probably the most popular, famous, non-WWE wrestler in the world, other than maybe Sting, before he showed up. But that's WCW. That was a whole different breed. And I don't know that Sting was really on social media. But AJ Styles was. So how, how many followers did he just balloon up to the minute he joined WWE? So... For all the faults we give WWE, they are very good at promoting their guys and making stars out of them. And even the guys who aren't popular that are on main event every week or never wrestling or whatever, they have a huge following because they are just associated with WWE. So you don't want to build your entire company if you're AEW around old ex-WWE guys because TNA tried that. It didn't work. But you need some of that. There's got to be a mix, right? You've got to have a variety of really good wrestlers nobody knows about, and you can build like an MJF to guys you bring in that everyone recognizes who can work with an MJF and get him over, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's how AEW's going to win this thing. So, you know, but Fighter Fest being free, that's where we started with this. That's a really good start. You get people used to the idea of what you can offer and let them watch your pay-per-views um, with no real risk and Check it out, right? And if you're a pro WWE guy saying, oh, AEW sucks, it's WWE. Most of those people are probably saying that having never watched AEW. Yeah. Now they, I mean, won't, <laughs> now they won't have an excuse. Like, you, it's free. Check it out. Yeah. If after you watch it, you still believe that, fine. At least you're educated and knowledgeable on the product now, right? But if you're just pro WWE because you hate everything that isn't WWE, well, at least watch it first. Yeah, I, I don't care if you don't like the product, uh, even if it's just out of stubbornness. But at least watch it. And that, that goes for anything. Don't form an opinion based off of what other people say and what other people's opinions are. Make your own opinions. Like and that, that's for everything in this world, like I said. You know, read a book, watch watch a TV show, watch a movie, listen to music. You should make your opinions based off of what you feel, not based off what others say. Just educate yourself on it. Like it's and no one's saying you have to like something or hate something because everyone else likes it or hates it. You're allowed to have certain takes that other people don't have. It doesn't have to be a competition of, well, oh, you you don't like this guy? Well, you're crazy. If you don't think Kenny Omega is the best in the world, that's fine. It, you personally, you don't you're not a fan of Jericho, right? Like not a, so I'm not saying you dislike Jericho, but you're never a huge fan of his, you said. There right? was a time that I liked him. Uh I, I really loved him when he was in WCW before he chose to leave. Like when he was doing the thousand and one holds and he was reading out the list. So, so good. I thought that stuff was gold. Like that was really good. And he's very talented. He can take a, a little idea like the list and make it a massive thing. I love that about Jericho. I think he's had some fantastic matches. I think he should be respected. He's a massive star. He knows what he's doing. I just find him to be arrogant. Oh, right? I like, love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it's, arrogant is good when you're the heel character, but he is so arrogant and thinks he's so, you know, above a lot of people that sometimes it's a turnoff for me. But I don't know that he actually is. I don't know. Maybe. I, th- I don't I know think, him. I, I don't know him. So I shouldn't maybe say maybe it's probably character. But when I see some of the well, social the media thing, tweets that he writes. It's for- good that you feel that. It's a good yeah. thing that you feel that way because that means he's doing he's so in his character that it's hard to figure out what the character is sometimes. And that's why Jericho is so good. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. I, I'm not I'm, I don't know him well enough to know that when I see him getting on fans in the middle of a crowd and a public thing. Who do you blame? Is it the fan that crossed over the lines or Jericho? He just doesn't have the patience for it. Uh, or no, somebody... the, the answer is Bully Ray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never – I don't know. I just see some of this. So, like, he he did one the last two days or something where somebody insulted him or something, and he just, like, three words, an F-bomb or something. Or So I can't remember what he said to the guy, but it was just, like, 
just totally rude. And you're like, hey, you probably had that coming. But at the same time, maybe we should be a little above this. But that I don't know. I, I I do like him as a wrestler. I loved some of the stuff he did in WCW. I think when he came to WWE and did the first promo with The Rock, I was in love with it. It was it was great, right? Like there's a lot to respect about Jericho and what he's doing in AEW. I respect too. I have wrestlers I like better, but uh, yeah, I I'm with you. I can see why you like Jericho so much and why other people do too. But the point is, you're allowed to have a different opinion. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at you because you don't think Jericho is the best ever. I'm not oh, mad yes. at you if you do think he is. Like you're you you're mad at me. You're just not gonna say it. Oh, I'm I'm consistently and like constantly furious with you. But that's because I still yeah. don't know what the news is. Yeah. Well, you weren't. <laughs> that that means you weren't mad at me until about half an hour ago. There's always so that, something. There's always okay. something. I'm yeah, mad at you, I'm right? always giving. I'm always giving people a reason to be pissed off. <laughs> I sp- and with my new segments on the sports or the videos I'm doing called the "Tell Me Wrong, Tell Me I'm Wrong" segments. I don't know if you watch that. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm making a lot of enemies these days, so it's really it's kind of fun it's, actually. That's wrestling, I'm, though, right? Getting I'm becoming reaction. my own. My own Chris Jericho. I was going to say, you're literally becoming Chris Jericho and you don't even realize it. <laughs> I know. It's kind of fun to actually watch people make comments. So. Um, let's talk about something that a lot of people have comments on, though. What You sound like you got one more thought. I was going to say, just imagine that on like a, a global scale like Chris Jericho. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. fun, right? <laughs> yeah. A couple million people reading everything you write. Um, something that is very polarizing for fans, the Raw and SmackDown episodes of late. Uh, we should probably do a very quick rerun of what we just watched on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, the big news coming out of Raw was the Revival are now tag team champs again. Loving it. Yep. I'm a huge Revival fan. Uh, I get that this is probably just a, hey, Revival, please don't leave. Here, uh, Here's a bone. Throw it to you. I don't love the idea that Shane McMahon is the central character on both shows right now. But I do like the idea that the Revival is working with somebody who is a central character on one of the shows. And they're getting a lot more screen time. And WWE seems to have abandoned this whole backshaving garbage that they were doing with them. And now they're actually being booked as a legitimate tag team who can cheat and win and wrestle. And, you know, the way that they should have been booked from the minute they were called up in NXT. What did you think of the title change? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I re- Before, like, as soon as they announced that I wrote about it, uh, the match, I should say. Uh, and I basically said, there's no way that the Revival don't win this match, right? Because the tag team titles, it was a good moment at WrestleMania. We both kind of expected it to go that way. But I also expected the title to change hands back the next night. Give them yeah. the moment and then just, I mean, because right now we haven't seen the titles in so long. There's no reason for them to even be on the, the waists of Hawkins and Ryder if you're not going to use them. And we know that right now the Revival are being pushed on the biggest uh, storylines in the company just because Shane McMahon is being pushed to the moon, which I want to talk about Shane McMahon again uh, and a rumor that was just... Uh, just start floating around earlier like in the middle of our recording. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, the uh, the Revival are great. Very old school tag team. I've said it before. I don't really know why they're not a very popular team with uh, like backstage, why they aren't being pushed to the moon. Because you would figure this is exactly the kind of team Vince McMahon would love. Uh, an, an old school team that does things the way all the old teams that made up. I mean, tag team wrestling is really the fabric of what wrestling is. So this team exemplifies what that is. So I'm, I'm shocked they haven't been used better. Like you said, it could be another bone of like, hey, please don't leave. Uh, AEW is a legitimate thing that's doing great. Please don't go. So, yeah. uh, I mean, giving them the tag team titles, awesome. Using them with Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre, I think is also a good idea because it pushes them in a way that they wouldn't have been used before. And they look good as like main event muscle kind of... Uh, a kind of a role you know what i mean right yeah and look i'm i'm good with the whole 
put McIntyre Revival in a group together, working for someone. I, I don't love that it's Shane McMahon because I don't think Shane McMahon's mic skills are all that wonderful. But, um, you know, it is what it is. At least they're getting the time. I was a little iffy when they added the Usos to that match. I wasn't sure what was going to happen uh, when it became a triple threat tag team match. But I, I had made a video for, you know, wrestler right ups at the beginning of the the day that Monday and said, I can't see a situation where the revival don't walk away with the titles here. And that's what happened. So it was, um, you know, a good raw in that respect. The rest of raw was okay. Did you watch the Bray Wyatt video? Yeah. They're so weird, but I they're, I love they're, go- they're going in so many different directions. Every week. I know like the week, the week before it was like an aerobics video out of the eighties. And this week he's got a clown nose on and he squishes the, he just destroys his rambling rabbit guy. Just like gooey orange blood coming out of them. Like, just really weird, right? Yeah, very weird, very fun. Uh, again, I don't know where it's going, but it seems like they're kind of leading us down a story now. It's not just segments. There is a story here. Even, like, you know, the witch saying, like, please let me sleep. Let me Just let me go. Like, I don't want to be this limbo anymore kind of thing. So that could be, like, the Sister Abigail character, or it could be something else entirely, like, bigger. Uh, the rabbit wanting to say more, and that's why he got basically killed again the second time uh the fiend so his dark side getting a character name all the callbacks to like husky harris and and the buzzard and stuff uh mercy right it's so good it's the story is being developed he hasn't had a match and he's probably the most over superstar in the company right now which is impressive yeah, I don't know how they'll. We talked about it last week. They're going to transition over from these videos to whatever. I want to go back and watch all the videos again in a row and just see what the arc is and if they make sense when you watch them all together. Because right now we're watching them, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays. They replayed again on SmackDown, but you're watching it each week. And so, unless you're going back on YouTube and, and you're watching them in, purposely before every show to see the next one, um, they might not make sense when you separate them every seven days. But to watch them back to back. I wonder if there's more continuity in the story than we realize. So I'm, I'm curious. I want to do that one time. Whenever I get a few minutes, I'm going to try to do that. But life is not always that, uh, that laid back that I can go through and watch them all in a row like that. But right. um, yeah, I know that, that was interesting. Uh, outside of raw, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about um, other than the fact that this wild card stuff seems to be completely non-existent now. Um, I think even SmackDown alluded to the fact that Shane McMahon just decided not to play by the rules. They already went over the four that they were allowed to have on the show. And it's just like, oh, and Corey Graves just suddenly said today, it's like, oh, I guess Shane McMahon decided he didn't want to follow the wildcard rules again this week. Or he suspended the, in the week prior at SmackDown, he suspended the 24-7 rules so that Elias could have his match kind of thing, right? Like, there's just the rules don't apply anymore. Um, yeah. Raw was okay. Uh, SmackDown... I thought Heavy Machinery are champions. What's that? Heavy Machinery are champions. They won oh, those yeah. like cardboard titles or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. The I they had two matches like that this week actually. The Iconics had one and Heavy Machinery had one where they had these jobbers come out um, that were represent representatives or something of a you know a very suitable opponent slash whatever <laughs> right. Um, and I, I I don't mind that necessarily. It's better than destroying people that you want to have have a push uh the other thing coming out of raw was looks like cesaro got hurt i don't know if you saw that injury yeah i think he's okay is what the yeah the it sounds like it. it wasn't as serious as it first looked when he was being helped to the back yeah. um he couldn't finish so the match i haven't had an update on it or seen an update on it but 
yeah, hopefully it's not as bad. Those him and Ricochet were having, and we talked about it um, extensively last week. It was just, they have such chemistry together that it would be a shame to cut that short. SmackDown was okay, a little dry, not much going on there. A um, lot of New Day stuff. Big E came back, uh, yep. but I think for me, and I, I maybe you agree that the takeaway from SmackDown for me was the Aleister Black promo. I think those are really cool. Yeah, this one was really good. I thought it was interesting when he was like, open the door over there. And then he just yells like to come challenge him, like pick a fight with him. And it's like, Aleister Black is really, really, really good. I didn't think he would ever be a world champion on the main roster, but I'm also not going to rule it out. But he is a solid mid-card guy who can compete in the main events. And he can compete for a world championship despite never winning it. Like he can be that guy. Uh, even I would be fine with him winning it one day. Don't get me wrong. I just think there are certain people ahead of him in the pecking order. But if he can really make this character work stick uh, and show that he's more than just you know some kicks in the ring, this could really pay off for him. And hopefully he gets a nice feud soon. Knowing WWE, this could just be him asking for a match. He gets one mid-card match and that's it. Maybe this goes nowhere. Uh, we really don't know. It's almost like they're, you know, uh, whatever happens in WWE doesn't matter until something substantial happens with it. So like you said, the the backshading stuff just kind of ended and it's not even being talked about, right? That That's just the way it is. Brodus Clay being advertised as a monster, he's in the news now for all the wrong reasons, but he was being advertised as a monster back in the day and then he comes out as a Funkasaurus. So nothing matters until you actually see it. Uh, Aleister Black, though, this is a good step forward, I would say. Yeah, well, they, they're asking on social media who's going to be the one to pick a fight with him, and Randy Orton answered the bell. And at house shows, I don't know if you've seen it at live events, he's been cleanly beating Randy Orton in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, pitting him he also challenged Finn Balor, Randy Orton. Right, but that, I mean, that's that's a big thing, right? If, if Black is wrestling at these live events and he's cleanly been, beating Randy Orton, who just beat Triple H at Saudi Arabia... That's a. They must have something planned for him if they're letting him do that. So that I may be so. where they go first, right? Is is a clean win over a guy like Randy Orton, and that would be a kind of a big step forward for him, depending on what they're doing. Uh, I guess the last thing that we should probably allude to, or at least cover slightly, is the Dana White double down on the comments on Brock Lesnar this week. One saying that uh, you know he was going to stick with WWE because he got a better offer, and then two on I think TMZ Sports or something said, yeah, he's done. He's not doing UFC anymore. Yeah. Um, so Lesnar's out in terms of MMA, and he's either doing nothing or he's doing all in WWE. He was not on the show this week, but Heyman was. And it sounds like Lesnar will be back more often than not. Are you happy about this? I mean, it's a mixed reaction on this whole briefcase thing, the, the Brock party, Beast Box stuff, and then others who are still sick of seeing him every week, or not really every week, but that he's still around at all. I don't mind Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar... Is larger than life, and he's a spectacle. I think it's good that he wasn't on Raw this week. That's for sure. He shouldn't be there every single week. If he comes out once, you know, every two, three weeks, that's fine. If he comes out, like I said, he's the perfect example of a guy that can be used every three months in a segment. Uh, he doesn't need to have a say, uh, you know, a consistent. If he works for th- even if it's three months, he has like a three month storyline going on where he shows up. I don't know, six out of the twelve weeks or something, and then he works pay per views. That's great. But then you don't use him in the next three months, right? He shouldn't be your champion. He should be a main event player that doesn't hold the championship. He's not going to show up every single time. Uh, like I said, I like Lesnar. I don't dislike the guy uh, from a talent standpoint. I don't know. I They built him to be so hated 
And I think part of that is really just him, Heyman, and WWE actually booking his stuff correctly in the sense that they finally were able to build heel heat on someone just because they used him uh, in the way they used him. So if anything, good for Lesnar. Like I said the last couple of weeks, good for him for making this character so believable. Yeah. Yeah, I well, do want to talk. Uh, before you finish your thought on that. No, I say, I, I'm glad that he's at least an option to be around more often than we think. Right? If yeah. he's going to hold the briefcase, he better know that he could show up. Right? Yeah. If, if it was the old way that he was leveraging UFC or whatever, then you, you thought, oh, we're going to see him five times a year. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, at least you can use him when you feel like you want to use him. And he may have a contract that represents that with WWE. Like, here's how many appearances we have you booked for. So be ready to come to Raw next week, you know, or we're going to use you on five pay-per-views this year instead of two or whatever, right? Like just they can actually use him and build the character properly other than just say, okay, well, we only got him for this many. He's our universal champion. We never see him. You know, it just doesn't make sense, right? So I'm glad that at least that that other part of it is out of the picture now and they can do whatever they're going to do with him the right way. Yeah, I agree. Okay, you were going to talk about Shane McMahon. Yeah, so Shane McMahon, WrestleVotes, we've talked about them before, the Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, you know, most times they're reliable. Uh, they seem to have, like, legitimate sources. Obviously, things can change, so uh, we don't know what actually happens and doesn't happen, like, is real as speculation or whatever. But they tweeted out, uh, this is, I'm going to quote it, I've asked what the payoff is to this major Shane McMahon push in TV time allotment. No one seems to have a solid answer. One source said he could see, and then he put in parentheses, just he's uh, just his speculation here, Shane being the one to defeat Kobe for the title. That would be something. So that, I mean, I don't want to really extensively look into this because this is, again, just a rumor. This is just one guy's speculation uh, from a question, probably in a text message, like some random source in the company. Yeah, That would be interesting. I don't think it would be smart unless you're going to pay it off with like Roman Reigns winning after. Well, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't love the idea that Shane McMahon is a central character or anything, but if you're going to take, and I think we've commented on this before, if you're going to take the, the title off of Kofi Kingston, there are only a handful of people who you can have do that uh, because of what Kofi represents, how popular he is, how long he's been in the company, what it means to just take the title away from him. I'm okay with the idea of it being a guy like Shane McMahon because right now everybody hates him. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to take it from Kofi, make sure it's someone people hate. Right. Whether it's Lesnar or McMahon or I don't know who is the top hated character in the whole. Like you 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 shouldn't have Roman Reigns do it if you want Roman Reigns to be cheered by people. Yeah. There there should be an intermediary champion for sure in that case. Right. So if Shane's going to do it, like I don't love the idea that a. A commissioner or an owner or a movie star or whomever ever wins the title. Like, I thought the Nicholas stuff with Braun Strowman at WrestleMania was funny, but I thought it was dumb that you're giving a little kid a title that should be sort of respected. And he's, you know, it's like, I'm not about the titles have to mean everything, but I mean, there was never be a way that kid could fight anybody. So they had to take him off him the next day. Like, that sort of stuff doesn't make sense. Shane McMahon is at least presented as a wrestler slash whatever. Uh, so he is the heel guy that could get away with that. I don't know. They'd have to build up a program for a while, though, because right now they don't have any beef with New Day. Well, you could do really quick, like Shane McMahon says, I'm going to fight you and kind of wins the match or whatever. Like you said, there could be a little program. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing, and this is just my own personal thing here, when Dolph Ziggler was booked against Kobe Kingston, at least up until this point, 
he hasn't been a legitimate heel, right? Like, he's attacked him from behind and stuff, but he's also said, like, hey, I respect you. You're great, but it should still be me. This should be my opportunity. You've put in the work. That's awesome. But I've also done it, and it should be me. So he hasn't really been like the, you know, you're horrible and you don't deserve this. He's given him credit. So he's closer to being a face than he's been in a long time, even though he's definitely not a face. What if Shane McMahon beats uh, Kobe Kingston eventually for the title? And then Dolph Ziggler gets his rematch from the Best in the World tournament and then finally gets, you know, it, it, it was him. He finally gets his win and the championship. That would be huge. Yeah, it could be an interesting idea. I still That's love, just my speculation, like I, I said. I'm still not sold that Ziggler's going to be sticking around. I don't think I, so either. I'm a little good. surprised that he's even doing another program with Kingston right after Saudi Arabia, and they're putting him in a cage. But maybe that was just like, let's finish this off properly and, and have you actually on a page pay-per-view that isn't the Saudi show in a cage with Kofi. You guys can have a great match. Kofi can win it. Still look like a hero. You know, I, I think that's where it will end. So I, I don't see a long-term future for Ziggler. I could be wrong. I don't know anything otherwise. I don't have any contract information on what he's doing with WWE. Um, but I, I think with your first assessment, you're probably right. And that if Shane is going to be booked to take this from Kofi, the person who eventually takes it from Shane will be Roman Reigns. Sure. I could, yeah. I could see that being the long-term plan for WWE, and that's how they get there. Right. Mm-hmm. If there's a guy that you could cheer to take it off of Shane McMahon, that's a good, easy way to get Roman Reigns, the fan support, is that, well, we don't love him, but he's beating Shane McMahon. We sure love that. Right. Because people hate Shane right now. And not just because he's playing a very good heel character. They hate the idea that he's getting so much time. Like he's the most used character on Monday and Tuesdays every week. He's on TV more than anyone else right now. Like, Roman wasn't even on this Tuesday, and he's a yeah. SmackDown guy, right? Like he was drafted as the SmackDown guy, wasn't on SmackDown this week. Yeah, so, he's been on Raw more than he's been on SmackDown since the, uh, the brand split. Right, you know what I mean? So, if you're going to have, you want Roman to be cheered and loved by the fans, well, have him beat a guy you just don't want to have it. Like, you, if, you, if Roman beats a guy like Daniel Bryan, you don't love that because people still like Daniel Bryan. If... If Roman beats a guy like Ziggler, or if Roman beats a guy like whomever that people still like to cheer for, you're, Roman's going to lose the popularity vote. But yes. if you put him up against Shane McMahon, people hate Shane McMahon. They're annoyed that he's on TV so much. They don't think he deserves it. So have Roman beat him, you're going to get cheers if you're Roman, right? So mm-hmm. I see that being the long-term goal. But it wouldn't shock me if Shane McMahon is the transition champion for a while. Yeah. And the last thing I want to close out on, did you see Chad Gable, uh, his new look and everything on 205? I didn't even recognize him at the Saudi show. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, you know, short hair, kind of like EC3 almost, uh, looks really, really good shape and had a great match, really like aggressive match with Jack Gallagher. So that was uh, a welcome sight. 205 Live, I don't watch it as much as I'd like to. They always put on really good matches. Like every single show now, there's like a, a four star match at least. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't recognize it at first. He's underused for sure, but, uh, if he ever goes anywhere other than WWE, he's going to be a star. Yeah, if they use him properly. All right, man. Well, yeah, no, that covers it. Uh, I'm sure we uh, will have a lot to cover next week. Um, special segment on next week's show that I will tell you about as we get off the air here. Um, but for everybody else, let's remind them one more time where they can hear us. Anchor.fm, YouTube. Now you can download our, our podcast on the video. Yeah, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. I mean, name the platform we are there now uh we would hope that people like the show listen to it comment on it rate it on itunes 
share with other people. Uh, that sort of stuff really helps us out. So, and I got a feeling that next week's show will be maybe our most shared one that we ever okay. have. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I anyway, was going to make a joke just now, but I also don't know what the news is, so I don't want to accidentally spoil it if I just happen to like hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So I'm not even going to make a joke. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We're good. There you go. All right, man. Well, I will uh, chat with you after we get off the air here about the news, and then uh, we will uh, sit down and talk again next week. Sounds great. Take All care. right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for another uh, edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. We will talk to you next week.